Welcome to the Flourishing Equestrian Podcast. Our purpose is to inspire and educate in all areas of horse and rider health, welfare and performance. We talk to guests from around New Zealand and the world to help bring fresh perspectives, ideas and pathways to allow the best version of both the horse and rider to flourish. This week on the Flourishing Equestrian Podcast, we talk to Sarah Chatwin. Sarah is a registered psychologist and has special interests in sports psychology. She talks to us all things nerves, competition, lockdowns and getting back on the horse. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Sarah, how are you this morning? Hey Hannah, very well. How are you doing yourself? In lockdown or semi-lockdown? Yeah, semi-lockdown. We're in level two. We've <laughs> actually just been to Christchurch for a couple of days, catching up with some Lovely. friends. But it's always a bit weird getting on an aeroplane when you're masked up and there's no cookies, but that's all right. I mean, there's definitely a new normal, but as an Aucklander, I am sitting here feeling very envious of your freedoms. <laughs> yes, you got, you're at level 3.2 now? Well, you know what? I'm losing count, but yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Oh dear. So do you want to share with our listeners just a bit about your background and what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name is Sarah Chatwin. I'm a registered psychologist and I have been practicing for over 20 years now. I have a couple of degrees from Auckland University and and a postgrad diploma from Queensland. And I generally, I started my career looking at relationships, human dynamics, um, and then progressed, you know, into sport psychology a little and have had a fairly long and and pretty fulfilling career um, in in many areas of psychology. So I deal with relationships. I deal with, I do do some counselling. I help sports people, worked with a few people at the Olympics and have done, have done work with people, you know, for major events and, and bits and pieces. But yeah, so um, a psychologist, I guess for a lot of listeners out there, perhaps they meld us together with psychiatrists but we're quite different so psychiatrists are doctors they medicate psychologists don't so psychologists believe in you know having a good yarn sitting down in front of somebody getting the issues out on the table and then looking at strategies and options to help them um just cope a little bit better with certain situations that they're going through or even psychologists are there to shine a light in a dark corner of their lives give them a few other options, give them some ideas, some strategies, perhaps shake things up a bit and and look at alternative ways of dealing with various situations in people's lives. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. I love having a good, good chat and it seems like that's what you do for most of your day. It's the best place to start, I find. So before people even think about, you know, taking medications or looking at any interventions like that, it's always best to start by just talking about what's going on in in your life and and seeing if you can't pop some strategies in place to help that that sort itself out and then see if you need anything further. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of people jump too quickly now to, oh, I'll just get a medication for that rather than looking at, what they can do with their mindset and internally to get things going well. Yeah, because obviously, you know, a lot of the time we process stuff internally and when 
we keep things tucked within and when we think about things a lot and overthink about things, often issues become bigger than they ever need to be. But certainly for a, for a percentage of people, you know, medications can really help. So I, I'm certainly a proponent of working with psychiatrists and looking at the intervention or the therapeutic um, method that works best for the individual. Mm, yeah, no, and then I suppose it all wraps into equestrian sport and especially at the moment. Um, so I just love to start with the basics around mindset at home because all good sports start at home or in the training side of it. Um, yes. And with an equestrian, we're not, it's not just us, it's a horse involved and often we're spending thousands of dollars on supplements and feed and all that kind of thing for our horse to get it performing at its best, but we neglect ourselves. Um, so what are the basic mindset focuses you like to see installed right from the start when working in a, like an equestrian environment? Well, I know that having, having worked with a few equestrians over the years, I mean, it can be an incredibly intense sport, a sport that requires uh, so much dedication and commitment, um, so much time, as you mentioned, so much financial input. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I see you nodding your head at that one. Yes. Um, <laughs> And, and, and you're right, people often forget that they are also an important um, you know, part of that equation. Throughout my career, when I have worked with um, sports people, a lot of things, a lot of the same things resonate for people. And I think that the basics are a really good place to start. So you really need to look at your, your physical health which obviously feeds into your psychological health. So you need to do things like make sure, ensure that you're having a good sleep, ensure that you're um, feeding yourself with the right kind of nutritious food so that you're, you know, that you're bringing your, your A game to every event, but, but also to most days of your life. We're not gonna have great days every day, but if we can get 80, 85, 90%, well, that's, you know, we're doing really well. So making sure that your nutrition is sound, that you're hydrating yourself, that you're sleeping and getting at least, you know, six to eight hours um, most days. Um, with regard to any sport, and this also has a major um, major input for, for equestrian, being prepared and organized. So having whatever kit, having whatever plan, having whatever stuff, in inverted commas, you need, ready well in advance of any event, any performance, any training, so that you're not grappling around and that you're not rushing and that you don't have that that mindset that's very out of your control. If you can come up, if you have a great plan, a great routine, and you are very organized, that really helps. So I kind of like the basics of sleep, nutrition, hydration, planning, organization, and routine. If you have all of those things, if you're aware of all of those things, then you've you've probably got a really nice entree into any um event or any performance and it will re and your mind will be far more organized and far more um i think you feel more confident and you have a sense of direction if you have a lot of boxes ticked if you're feeling good about yourself if you know that you've had a good night's sleep if you know that you haven't been engaging in any fights with family or partners or anything like that if you know that you've got your stuff prepared if you know what you're going to do on the day so all of that stuff helps to keep our mindset very linear um, and without too many stressors. Then you move forward um, in any event with a sense of direction, sense of confidence, sense of control. Yeah, 100%. I suppose it's a whole 
certainty versus uncertainty thing as well. So we can control like that we've packed the truck correctly or the float, we can control this. We can't control what the course is going to be or the test is going to be with the uncontrollables. So if we can focus on the controllables, then I suppose our brain's got those to focus on rather than hyping them itself up over other things. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we can only control the things that we can control. And there's a lot of ex what we call extraneous variables on the outside there that can come into account. I mean, weather, the horse's mood, injury, you know, whatever. But if we can get a handle on those things that affect us, so that is sleep, that is nutrition, that is hydration, that is organization, it's getting your kit ready, it's getting the truck packed in a certain way, it's having your um, support people, you know, geared and, and ready to go. And so if you can get all of those things in line, that's such a great feeling because there are a lot of things that you won't be able to get in line. Mm, 100%. So when we're going to competitions, I know between myself and many other riders, I know it brings a lot of nerves, anxiety, and even people feeling sick. Um, mm -hmm. And so what do you like, like if you say the day before to the next day and like, so your day before is your day before the competition. So you're getting everything prepared. And then the next day, how, so like, I know we're talking about sleep and nutrition, but I'm probably guilty. I get up in the morning and I don't eat anything because my stomach's in that many knots. Yeah. Um, is there any like techniques or breathing tips or anything like that just to settle that little bit of edge of nerves down to get everything thinking oh. straight again? Yeah, definitely. I, I also think though that if you are an equestrian, as is the case, if you are a sports person who has performed um, engaged in a sport over a long period of time, find try to find the things that work for you in that situation so it may not be that that you can get up and eat wheat mix and milk as you do most other mornings but find some kind of snack food or food that might work for you that's nutritious in those particular um situations for example a lot of people i even remember people that you know are dealing with important business meetings which i guess you know bring up some of the same emotions as a you know mm. a, an event um, you know, they might have crackers with Marmite on it. There's some food that, that just might resonate in that particular instance. So try and just crack a few of those and keep them on hand for those times when you're feeling anxiety and it puts you off the food and it puts you off your, um, your hydration and all the rest of it. But certainly with regard to psychological techniques for anxiety and stress, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. I quite like visualization techniques. Um, and I like the whole idea of positive self-talk and negative thought stoppage. I use that with every type of athlete that I've ever worked with. Um, and the general principles seem to work across the board and, and across disciplines, you know, whether it be tennis, whether it be swimming, equestrian, running, multi-sport. So, you know, I, I like people to think of if they are feeling intense anxiety. For example, I'll run you through a scenario. You said that sometimes you wake up and you feel anxious, you don't want to eat, and you're going, oh, I've got this today. Well, I hope I'm all organized and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So if you woke up and you were feeling like that, you would automatically say to yourself, right, um, oh, I'm just going to identify. I'm, I'm thinking that I'm actually feeling this way because I'm already thinking these things. I'm saying these things to myself. Um, and I'm already feeling this way. So you automatically identify those feelings. So you wake up, you go, oh gosh, I'm feeling like this. You go, okay, mm -mm. 
I identify that I'm feeling this way. So you try to stop that thought pattern. You go, stop, okay, stop thinking like that because I don't need to. You take a few breaths and all the rest of it and then you think, okay, what can I do to get that negative thought out of my and that negative mindset out of my head and to pop some positivity into my brain? So in that moment, after you've identified that you're being very negative and you're very nervous and all the rest of it, you need to draw upon experiences or thoughts or memories or even visions. You know, when you close your eyes and you see a picture of you, you know, having an event in the past, riding a horse in the past at some event. And find something that was really, really uniquely positive for you. It may have been an event. It may have been something you won. It may have been something you participated in that was really fulfilling for you. Just take a moment, sit down or stand up or do whatever you want that relaxes you and think about that episode. Visualize it. Think about it. Think about how you felt. Think about the feelings that were involved in that scenario and take it from there. Because if you fill your mind with that positivity, none of that, that negative stuff has a place. Do you under, did, did that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I suppose, you know, like most people have, well, I've gone and, you know, jumped a, around before and it's, you know, it's been successful, but I'm always like, oh, you feel real nervous in the morning, but actually getting rid of that negative and visualizing yourself crossing between those finishing flags or doing your final salute and the positive feeling that comes from that. If you let that fill your mind rather than the negative self-talk, you're going to be in a better like mental position but also it's going to reflect on your horse as well because horses are very smart at picking up when mm, they are yeah. <laughs> oh definitely I mean they're very sensitive to the I, I guess if you want to you know really holistic word vibe of their rider and and they feel your energy I guess is what I'm trying to say so they they're very perceptive I mean you've created a relationship with your animal so you know that relationship speaks volumes about what you can achieve on any course right so if you can, you actually need to stop that negative self-talk. You need to, again, identify, wow, I'm being really hard on myself. If you wake up going, I feel bad, I'm not going to achieve, I'm just going to, re this is not going to be a good performance, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to stop and say, hang on, I love what I do. I've trained to do what I've, you know, what I'm embarking upon. I can do it. I have done it before. I've had some, you know, I've had relative success. I can do this. So you actually have to identify the negative thought, thoughts. You actually have to stop them, throw them out. And then the visualization technique is so handy because if you can just do those nice, deep diaphragm breaths um, and think about something that gave you great joy or great success or great fulfillment in your sporting past, then you are bringing all that positive energy into your sporting present and it makes a heck of a you know difference to the it can make a huge difference to the performance and you can engage those techniques whether you wake up in the morning you know five hours before the event or whether you are just about to go into the event and you've got about 15 minutes it only takes a minute or two to get that mind space relatively clear and very positive yeah 100 percent. i've got a few friends that also in like a competition sense they get like imposter syndrome or they've got a really nice horse and they just, they never think they can do it just justice. I suppose it's that whole visualization technique again of being like, no, you're actually, you've trained to get here. Like 
you deserve to be here is there any like specific tips for those type of people yeah I guess it's imposter syndrome is it's interesting obviously you know I've heard enough to understand about its existence but I'm not so keen on labels like that because I think that often people find them and then hang their hat on them oh yeah that's exactly what I am they go to Dr. Google and they go, right, imposter syndrome, you are this, 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 and this. I'm not necessarily sure that that's a healthy way to go. Um, but I do understand that people, as you say, have a nice animal, a nice horse, and they think, wow, I've really got to step up to the plate for this one, and am I good enough? But that's self-doubt, and that's negative self-talk. That's the things that we've discussed. And again, my, my rationale behind that is, is identify it, stop it. And just back yourself. Yes, your horse is a fabulous horse, but without a, a good a good rider and without you and without your caring and nurturing and without the relationship that you've built with your horse, um, you, the performance will only be half. It will only be half what you could achieve. And if you have a great horse, the horse still needs a rider to guide it and to you know give it um, the feedback that you that you exchange between rider and horse as you do. And so you don't have to be absolutely awesome. You have to have an understanding of your animal. And these are things that people can nurture and grow and practice with their fantastic horse, which makes them a fantastic rider. I, I understand people's reticence and self-doubt. It's very, very hard to be positive 24 seven. Absolutely is with life going on around you. I mean, goodness, we all know that. when you know, given this pandemic and, and all that it's brought and all the things that have changed with regard to our lives. But I think dwelling on thinking that you are an imposter can only end badly. You need to raise yourself above that um, and really focus on, again, what you can achieve and what positives you bring to the table. So somebody might say, yeah, I've got this really excellent horse. I'm not, I'm just not that good of a rider. But you are because you've identified that you want that horse. You've now got that great horse. So come on, you have to rally yourself and pick yourself up and know and back yourself that you can get to a point where you are going to be a positive effect and have a positive benefit um, on your, your animal and you can work together and you can nurture that relationship. Takes a bit of time, takes a bit of work. But I dare say, given the equestrians I've worked with, you're prepared to give it time and do a bit of work. So, you know, in the end, who knows? The great things that can be produced yeah I love that so if we now shift on to what you just touched on with the old pandemic that's <laughs> I, think, I think last year like equestrians we were pretty lucky we only had a few kind of events cancelled and it might have been just like a day cancelled and this year we've got shows in February cancelling already and Aucklanders oh, wow. can't get out and everyone's stressing about the, the series and there's all these kind of issues cropping up um, what, so I've kind of switched my mindset this season to a training type mindset. So every show I can get to, I'm treating it as it's a training um, to set me up for next year. But I know that there's a lot of people who have got horses that are at the peak of their peak of their career and or that's what they kind of rely on for their actual job and they can't get out and about. Um, what could they do just in their day to day? lives just to kind of revamp their mindset so they're still they're still training they're still pushing forward and they're still achieving goals well I do I do a slot on George FM um, in Auckland most Tuesdays it's called Two Mecca Tuesday looking at the, 
the mental health of tradies and, and of everyone, actually. It's, it's growing quite a lot. And the one thing that we discussed the Tuesday just passed is, look, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm sure that people were feeling like this when there was the influenza pandemic and when there was the Black Plague and all of those other horrible things that have you know, ravaged the, the earth. And, but at the end of the day, we seem to come out of the black holes, right? And there does seem to be light, even for Aucklanders, of whom I am amongst. Uh, and, you know, we've, we're eking a few little freedoms back in, you know? Um, so we have to just be cognizant of the fact this is transition. We're in transition. We've established quite a few new, new normals. Many of us have established, a, you know, a few new normals for us. We have had to create new patterns and routines. And I, I, I'm a real proponent of pattern and routine. So with a pandemic, having forced us into um, situations and a way of living that, you know, we haven't experienced so often, we have had to create new patterns and routines. You know, previously we might have got up at 6.30 in the morning, got breakfast, driven for 40 minutes to get to work, been at work, had lunch, you know. Well, we were stopped in our tracks and we had to create new routines. Maybe we had a half hour more in bed, but we still had to get up, have our breakfast and have a plan for that day. So for the people that are saying, oh, you know, I've had this cancel, I've had that cancel. Oh, I'm feeling so down about it. I don't know what to look forward to. That's okay. It's not ideal, but it's okay. So you get up and on the daily, you have a bit of a routine, a bit of a plan that allows you to, again, have a sense of direction. So I get up, I have my breakfast, I do my training, I have my lunch, I do my book work or whatever, and I'm just freestyling here because obviously I'm a psychologist and not a full-time equestrian. Um, and each day has a flow and each day has a pattern and each day perhaps has a, has a feeling or you nurture a feeling of building on the day before. So by the end of a week, you're actually going, wow, that's fantastic. Tuesday, um, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I did X amount extra in my training. I'm going to have a rest on Saturday because I achieved all of this. On Sunday, I'm going to make sure that I feed everybody and get everything cleaned up and get everything prepared for Monday. You may not be competing or eventing or doing any of those things. You may not even know when you are going to do those things again. But the key is you will do them again. So you need to make this time a really nice nurturing, growing, developing, building, um, strengthening phase because for goodness sake we've got the time so get strong get healthy get a good pattern and routine in so that you don't have any of the lazy little behaviors that we all had pre-pandemic I mean none of us were walking around the countryside like we all are you know walking around our neighborhoods like we all are now none of us were um, feeling like we couldn't connect with people so we took things for granted but the silver lining of, of this pandemic is that it has sharpened our focus on what is important for us, what we should do. And a lot of people, whilst of course, nobody wants pandemic, nobody wants those kind of conditions, but we can use them to actually consolidate on, on things and to maybe look to the future with a slightly more positive um, mindset. Pattern routine essential, getting up and trying to really keep positive planning stuff, trying to build on your strengths, giving yourself rest time, investing in you in these times is really important. Yeah, 100%. And I suppose it's that whole growth mindset and always be celebrating mm. as well. So you're like, you know, I've kind of had a few times where I've, 
you know, you feel a bit kind of meh about things. I'm like, no, right, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to get on my horse and we're just going to go for a walk. And that's all exactly. we do. Exactly. That's Exactly. If you're feeling that, you know, meh and you just don't want to do anything, that is an achievement because you've gone out and got yourself dressed, got it, gone to your horse, gone for a walk. That is better than languishing in this, oh man, when is this going to stop? There's no point to that dialogue. There is no point to that dialogue between you and your brain. Cut it out. Identify that that's just negative. It's not going to help you in any way. It's better to say, it's even better to say, well, look, I'm going to have another a sleep for half an hour or an hour. And then I'm going to get up, have a shower, get my things on, go to the horse, you know, do a few jumps, whatever. It's better to actually give yourself a rest if you're feeling really negative or to, to make a plan and then try to enact it. Small steps, do things that are achievable if you're feeling really down because you want to have that set, that endorphin rush of achievements. So if you make things, I mean, if you said to yourself, oh boy, I'm feeling really down, this pandemic's getting to me. Look, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do all these jumps and these fancy moves and this, you know, dressage kind of routine. That's just too too big. If you are feeling like you're a little stuck and you are down, try to flip the um, the conversation from negative to positive, and then just do something small and achievable. So you nailed it. You know, get up, get dressed, breathe in the fresh air, take the horse for a walk. Fresh air is so overrated. Even just getting out in the sun in the mornings like we're in the perfect kind of time of year sun kind of comes up about 5 36 get out and sit outside for five minutes I just vitamin d is not assigned to people enough I don't think uh, I think so yeah you said fresh air is overrated no it's underrated you meant that <laughs> it didn't mean that, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I and and you've, you've hit some yeah absolutely hit my my passion you know getting out in nature I mean I, I, I love horses. I'm absolutely hopeless on them, but, you know, I do love them. Um, and, um, you know, just being out there and being with them, breathing the fresh air, you're so right about vitamin D. I mean, that is why people, you know, in, in um, Scandinavian countries have light boxes in their houses um, often because they don't get enough sun. So they sit in the light box for half an hour, you know, every day or every half day. Uh, you know, that stuff, all, it's just good for the soul, isn't it? The trees, the, the native bush, the grass, the horses, the animals, the, it, it, it's just wonderful. And you, you know, as equestrians, as people with that um, outlet, you're just so fortunate. So count your blessings, folks. You're very lucky people. <laughs> I reckon. And so another thing that challenges a lot of equestrians, and I see it a lot, is rider and also horse injuries. Um, yeah. But the fact that riders generally unless they're really, really broken, won't stop. Um, and I'm all about, you know, like I've had a few major injuries and actually just sitting back and giving yourself the time off. But then when you have to get back on, again, it can be kind of daunting. Is that the whole just get that visual, visualization, get those positive thoughts back in and jump on? Or is there like setting yourself up a bit more to it? Like what's your thoughts on that? Well, with regard to injury and, and that kind of stuff, I mean, you've got to get yourself right. Mm. And that, that requires work. And, and in a lifespan, in any individual's lifetime, you are going to have some injuries. So get, you know, get with it, get with the program. Um, and it's about how we cope. And it's about how we get back up on that horse, proverbially, um, and such a great proverb equestrian. So I would suggest, you know, you take good care of yourself and get the, um, 
therapeutic interventions that you need, whether that be physio, whether it be chiropractic, whether it be, you know, sitting down with a psychologist and just talking about the feelings that crop up when you're injured and you're frustrated and you want to get back on that horse and you can't. And But I mean, I would say that, remember, the mind and the body are connected. Um, and so you have to nurture both. And when one part of that equation is down, you've got to put in some effort and, and time and energy to, to get that back on track. So with regard to injury, do whatever it takes to get you feeling able. But I mean, certainly you need to, um, you know, you can't push a start time. You have to give yourself the time to actually uh, heal and recover. But that doesn't mean you have to walk away from your sport or give up. That means that if you've got um, a, um, a shoulder injury, you can still go out, talk to your horse, walk it. I mean, and you know what you can do. I mean, I'm a bit for me to, to tell the questions what they should do if they've got a, a, um, a rotator cuff injury. You can still be with your animal. You can still be thinking about strategies and, and um, routines and what you're going to do when you get the uh, work back. You can still have somebody else ride your horse and, and you watch or, I mean, I'm not sure what, exactly what strategies I've talked through some strategies with equestrians with regard to injury but I do also think that at some point when you are feeling like you can and this shouldn't be short-circuited I mean you've got to give yourself some time you've got to let that healing process kick in but you do engage again but again it's always these baby steps that I like just taking it you know a baby step at a time and this may mean that you miss some events or some performances. But in the long, you know, if you're playing the long game, um, it will mean that you're performing at a higher level more quickly in a way that you're more comfortable if you give yourself that time. Yeah. I always when I did my injury, I feel like every second person said, Oh, you're gonna love that when you're 60. And I was like, Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get this well as I can now. And yeah. I spent two years at physio just sorting it out, but I feel like it is very underrated there we go um (laughs) themselves right but also right in their mind to not be scared when they're getting back on a horse and I also think that you don't listen to people that because that's quite negative for people to say you're gonna um regret that when you're 16 how old do you have and that's a long way away (laughs) I I broke my leg really bad at 21 I think and people were then you know saying oh when you were 16 I'm like oh you know I'll have a new knee by then that's my positive and you know what there's a lot that can happen between 21 and 60 and they could make technological advances where they they shine a light on your leg and it's perfect it's like the day you were born there you go so you know that kind of um negative uh talk I I tend to giggle a little bit because I think (laughs) that's just funny but and and I mean you did exactly the right thing you you went and sought out the therapeutic intervention that worked for you. You worked on it. You put in the time. And so, I mean, how are you now? How, how do you feel now? Basically almost back to 100%. I'd say, like, I can't kneel on the ground. Um, but that's just one of those things I can't do. But I'm full, fully back riding. And I think that taking my time, which a lot of people don't do, was really beneficial. Like, I literally got on and my first ride back was a two-minute walk. And I was puffed. I was like, this is really- <laughs> But you know, now I can go out and hack on the farm for three hours and I'm good as gold and don't limp when I get off. So I think it's... Yeah. And you don't look as though you're 60, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> so you cracked it. You cracked it. Good on you. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Hopefully that answers that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that does. That's awesome. Um, so my final kind of point is a lot of riders, they might just be hacking in the paddock and not necessarily competing at Grand Prix or three-star mm. eventing and that kind of thing, but they still really struggle, but they might not think that they're almost worthy of going and seeing someone to talk about it and seeing a sports psychologist or someone yeah. like yourself. Um, what would your kind of, like, do you deal with the, like the ground-based people that are literally just trying to run 5K or just go for a hack or like, is it good for those types of people as well? Oh, look, absolutely. I would, in this country, we're a small country. Um, so it's not like we have, you know, two million stellar um, athletes. And I mean, we have a lot of great athletes in this country. But we do, you know, sports psychologists and psychologists deal with everyone. And I would say the key is not whether you're a, a stellar sport or, a, you know, a really great person or a really horrible person. If you are a person that feels that you need a chat, find somebody that resonates with you and have a chat. No matter how, how much it costs, by the way, because people are always, you know, we, of course we're aware of cost of things, but if you had two good sessions, even if the person, not that I would charge you this, but even if the person charged you 500 bucks, you are going to walk away with such a beneficial change in perception that could set you up for such a long time, or perhaps even your life, who knows? I just think that um, if you feel like you need to share, if you feel like you need a few strategies a few more options if you feel like you've tried a lot of stuff and it hasn't quite worked for you seek someone out to talk to because it can really make a difference and as I mentioned right at the beginning of this um you know talking with somebody putting it all out there getting it out of your head and putting it out on the table and talking to someone um is the best place to start so that's really important I think everybody could benefit from it in fact not that I'm selling my profession, but I do think I'm, I'm always a little smug when I see that, you know, psychology is less stigmatized these days. When I started 20, you know, 20 odd, 25 odd years ago, boy, were we stigmatized. We were almost viewed as, you know, um, as quacks. But it's nice to know that people feel comfortable with people, comfortable enough to talk through their issues. Yeah, 100%. I think it's the whole modern day, actually, a lot of charities and work and celebrities have all put into the whole your mindset is so important and talking about things and not and taking that stigma away from mental health and sport and performance and like you know you read an autobiography of a sports star and they'll talk about their struggles and we just put people up on such a high pedestal and don't think that they have any issues or they have self-doubt or anything like that um, and as like an amateur writer, I think people think, oh, you know, like I, I can't do that. But I think it is so important for people to invest a bit in themselves for once instead of their horse um, and make those moves to have a chat with someone. Yeah, it is important. And, you know, like honestly, um, if anybody wants to reach out as a, you know, as a result of this conversation, absolutely do mindworks.co.nz um, and on email and, and, and I'll be happy to, to talk through issues with people. I think it's important. And there is generally somebody out there that can help somebody who is experiencing some stuff they want to work through. Call that in the show notes when I write them up. But this has been an awesome chat with you, Sarah. So thank you very much. Um, My pleasure, Hannah, anytime. No worries. Next time we'll have a video on. 
<laughs> you got it. Probably best that we didn't this time because I'm just straight out of bed, unfortunately, but here you go. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. No worries.